Okay, and here we go. This is the Be Undomesticated podcast, episode two. I am your host, Cody Hart. And today we're going to actually be talking about starting a farmer's market stand. So farmer's markets are something that myself and my wife started doing a couple of years ago. Uh, We started small, wanted to do the microgreens like we have our microgreen business now. We started with those. We did a lot of baked goods. We tried to do eggs. We tried to do produce. I've attended four or five different markets at this point, so I have a fairly good grasp on the variety of markets and types of people that you're going to run into at these markets. And so I kind of wanted to share some insight for people who are considering starting a farmer's market stand this upcoming summer and, you know, how you should go about it, what you're going to need for it, and kind of what things you should be thinking about and looking at. So without any further ado, let's get right into it. Let's start out with the why. Why might you want to start a farmer's market stand? For one thing, it's a side hustle that you have a ton of control over. You have a lot of say and control over what you're able to sell, how you're able to sell it, price points, hours. You can choose what markets you're attending. So you really have a lot of control over that. You can use this to launch a new business like I did with my microgreens and our quail eggs, you know, to really jump in there and get going on it. it gives you a place to start i don't have to have a storefront you can just go there and set up um <clears throat> if you have a product you think would sell and you want to try it out you're not sure if you want to start a storefront if you want to actually try to build a big business out of it you don't know if you can market it properly you don't know if you can market it well enough to make a profit on it so you want to take that to someone and get going with it and just see how it goes Farmers markets are a great place to go there and just try it. Another great thing about it is that you can be actually networking with a lot of farmers and local producers in your area through these markets. So you want to be able to get a half a side of beef, but you don't know where to get it from. I bet you a good amount of money that there is somebody at that farmer's market who can hook you up with a half side of beef. You want to get pig, you want to get duck, you want to get specialty produce. These are the people that you want to be talking to to be able to source those things locally and be able to find those things that you might not be able to find just being an average attendee at a farmer's market. Maybe you make something that your family's always said, hey, these are really good. You make fantastic oatmeal scotchy cookies. You should really try selling these. Farmer's markets are an excellent, excellent place to try that kind of stuff out as a side hustle. You don't know what you're going to be able to do until you go and try it. Okay, so we've talked about why you might want to go sell at the market, but what are you going to sell? Obviously, the things that everybody thinks of right out the gate is going to be your produce, your meat, your eggs, your baked goods, that kind of thing. So I'm going to kind of break it down section by section of things to think about when considering those products. With produce, every single farmer's market you go to is going to have a guy with produce, at least one, if not four, five, six, seven. Especially peak season at these bigger markets, they are flooded with tomatoes. You can't give a tomato away half the time at that point. So keep that in mind. Unless you're able to really break into that market with a specialty item, a specialty heirloom, whatever. You know, it's going to be very difficult to walk into a market as a new producer and compete with the people who have established their customer base year over year. Most of these markets have several people who are established and who have been going there for a while that people feel comfortable purchasing from. So it's going to be kind of hard to compete with those guys. 
Another thing that a lot of people will think of when they think of farmer's markets is meat. There's less competition, obviously, for meat to be a meat vendor compared to being a produce vendor simply because of the fact that it takes a lot more space to raise that meat. It's a lot more legality that goes into it. You have to have the meat processed at a certain butcher. You have to have it raised in a certain way. You have to have all these different T's crossed and I's dotted. So you have a higher threshold to get into it, harder to produce, but your margins are better. Again, if you're able to get into that market. Most markets will have at least one person who is established and selling meats there. So that's going to be another hard one to break into. But maybe again, you're able to go at it with a specialty item. We'll get kind of more into the specialty stuff towards the end of this list of things. But it's just kind of something to think about. Always be looking for the niches, looking for the niche. Next up on our list is baked goods. Baked goods are one of the easiest ways to get started at a farmer's market. I don't know if you're necessarily going to be able to take that and turn it into full-time income by any stretch unless you get really established and you're going to a lot of markets. Most markets will have at least one person there selling baked goods, selling bread, selling cookies, selling scones, selling muffins. Not saying don't try those things because, again, anybody can do that. If you have a kitchen, at least here in the state of Michigan, I know for sure that you are covered under the cottage law for baked goods. So you can go out and sell cookies and muffins and breads and all that stuff made in your own kitchen. And you're good as long as you have your labeling done properly. You're good to go up to, I think it's $25,000 worth of income. So keep that in mind. Anybody can be making baked goods and selling them. But again, if it's easier for anybody to make, more people will be doing that. Next on our list is going to be craft items. This is your woodworking projects, your knitting, your candles soap making that kind of stuff kind of gonna lump that all into one one area because that's outside of my area of expertise it's really nice because you're able to have all the stuff on inventory and it's not going to go bad you're not going to have your your woodworking project rot in the sun so it's good in that in that regard problem with it is that you are going to have a lot more money going into producing your inventory it's going to be a lot more expensive and time consuming to get it set up and going. But once you have that inventory built, it's not as big of a deal. Another difficult thing with that is if you have a really good week, say you go and you sell almost everything you have, then you are scrambling and busting your tail to get ready for the next week, which is a good problem to have. If you're trying to produce more frantically to get ready for the following week, that means you have done something right. That's awesome. That's where you want to be. But again, that's just something to keep in mind. If you don't think you're going to have the time to be able to put into that kind of stuff, might not be the right way for you to go. All right, last but not least on my list here is the niche products. This is going to be your honey. This is going to be your maple syrup, your microgreens, your specialty meats, your specialty eggs. You are going to have to build the market for these things. For myself, I went through and microgreens and quail eggs. I, I love producing them. I think they're fantastic for you and they have a really high value. But it's one of those things where you're going to have to build the market for it. 50% of my job at the farmer's market is teaching people about microgreens, about quail eggs, what they can do with them, the health benefits of them, and why they should pay more for a specialty product. 
I am getting more for my small tub of microgreens than people are getting for whole bags of salad greens. Why? Because of the nutrition, because of the sale value, because of the fact that it's a niche item, people are willing to pay more, but they have to know why they're paying more, why they're doing that, what they're getting out of it. So niche products are really a great item to get into because they're not produced by everybody. Honey, that's one of those things where there might be a lot of people selling honey and there might be no one selling honey. Obviously, you have to have beehives. You have to have all that infrastructure built to even be able to produce the honey. So it's a higher threshold to get into. Maple syrup. There's a lot of people. I'm in Michigan, so there's a lot of people who do maple syrup. Not a lot of people selling it at farmer's markets, though, oddly enough. So that's something to look into. Specialty eggs, your quail eggs, your duck eggs, goose eggs, whatever. It's another awesome thing to sell. But again, you got to build the market for it because people don't know why they're paying for it. Why am I paying, you know, twice as much for these tiny eggs? Oh, well, they taste fantastic for you. And if you have an egg allergy, most of the time you can eat them. You know, that's the kind of thing that's really you're going to have to know your product well and you're going to have to sell it. When you're thinking about what you're going to sell, ask yourself, what do I enjoy producing that I can sell to other people? What is something that I am really good at doing that I can turn and turn into a marketable item, marketable skill? So if you're great at making bread, then make bread. Try it. Worst case scenario, what are you out? You're out a couple of weekends and some nights where you're making bread. You learn new skills with your marketing. You've learned new skills just going to these markets and having to set up a storefront because that's what, in effect, what you're doing at every single one of these markets. You are setting up a temporary storefront. You're learning to interact with customers. You're learning your product. You're learning how to go out there and sell something. If you're an introvert, this is a great time for you to learn to not be an introvert or to push yourself into talking to more people because you have to sell it. Nobody's wandering up to your stand to buy stuff unless you're talking to them. If you're not pushing that product, why is that person going to stop and talk to you? What makes you so special that they're going to stop and chat with you? You need to be the one selling it. All right, so you've decided that this summer you're going to jump in and you're going to start going to a farmer's market as a vendor selling a product. You've narrowed down what you're going to sell as a product to one, maybe two items that you really want to hone in on, focus in on, and get great at selling and producing. Now the question is, when do you start? Do you wait until summer? No, 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 no. You need to start now. Start reaching out to the farmer's markets in your areas. Start reaching out to market managers now. Find out what the fees are. Find out what the process is to get in on this. A lot of these places are taking vendor applications now. You need to get on that list and be ready to jump when they say jump. Start looking around at the different markets in your area. Not all farmers markets are created equal. Not all areas are created equal. Do a little thought process on this. Look at your local 50 mile radius, however far you're willing to travel, and look at the cities in those areas. The small town farmers markets are great, but unless they're a tourist area, you're not gonna get the foot traffic through there that you want. You need to go to these higher, area, higher income areas that are going to be willing to spend more money for a premium product because that's what you're offering. You're not offering, you know, Walmart's $2 loaf of bread. You're offering your $7 loaf of bread. Something else to keep in mind, when you find these more affluent areas, 
is those markets tend to be bigger. The bigger the market, generally speaking, the more foot traffic you're going to get. The more people are there spending money, and that's the kind of crowd that you're looking for. Because ultimately, you're trying to get people to pay a premium dollar for your product. Those people have to have that dollar to, have, to spend. And you have to have the foot traffic through there seeing your product. The more eyes on your product, the much better chance you have of selling it. Also, you're able to charge a higher price. The first farmer's market we went to, I was charging $2 a package for my microgreens. I lost money on every single package of microgreens I sold at that market, and I still couldn't sell them. Today, I'm selling them for two and a half times that. I have $5 a package that I'm getting, and my prices are going up again in this spring. That's just how it goes. You have to find the places that are willing to spend that money, because if they're not, why are you there? What's the point? You're just there to lose money? Why would you start a side hustle to lose money? Okay, so you've decided that you're going to start building more freedom into your life by starting a booth at a farmer's market. You've figured out what you're going to sell. You've figured out where you're going to go to sell it. Next step, what do you need to get going at your farmer's market? So this is not an all-inclusive list by any stretch of the imagination, but these are some of the key things you're going to have to have for it. Pretty much every single farmer's market will be outside. You're going to want to have a 10 by 10 canopy tent, just hands down. That is the standard size for all farmer's markets at this point. There are a couple of people who will run bigger ones. There are a little, couple of people that run smaller ones. But by and by, you're going to see more of the 10 by 10. That's more of the uniform thing. And that's what a lot of the markets are actually mandating at this point, just to keep everybody kind of on the same, same field, um, making it look uniform. We got ours at Walmart for 50 bucks. You can get them anywhere. I was looking earlier. There looks like they're up to about $60 now, up to several hundred dollars, just depending on what you want to spend. But I really recommend it. For our first year of farmer's markets, we didn't have a tent, and it was miserable. You will be in the sun. You will be sweating. Your product will not look good because it's in the sun. Do yourself a favor. Spend the money. Find a spot to put that tent in your vehicle and get the tent. Next up is tables. All right, you're going to want to get more than one table. You want to have enough product there to have a couple of tables set up, at least in the beginning of the day. If you're selling a lot of like produce products, like I with my microgreens, my eggs, I show up with two tables and I tear one of them down as quickly as I possibly can. But you want to have at least two tables. You can use card tables. They are not as sturdy as the standard hard plastic industrial think cafeteria table. That's what you really want to be looking at. They're a little bit more expensive than card tables, but really not that much. I think we paid 60 bucks for our table. You want to just go and splurge on the heavy table. Uh, Lifetime is a brand that makes them. Costco makes some. They're not that expensive, and they're a good investment. They're going to hold up to what you're going to put them through. On the list next is going to be a sign. You can order a banner. You can buy a whiteboard, something that you can put your name and your business name and generally your city is going to need to be on there as well. Some markets will actually mandate what you have on your sign, so check with your market if you're going to order a banner before you order the banner. That way, if you have certain things that have to be on there, you can put it on there. Last but not least is product. Take a lot of product. Take more product than you think you could sell. Period. Stack it high, watch it fly. It's a fantastic model for your farmer's market stand.
the more product and more abundance that you can showcase, the better off you're going to be, the more your product is going to help to sell itself. Break down tables as quickly as you can to keep it looking full. You don't want a sparse table with one thing in the middle. That's not doing you any good. That's not selling anything. No one's stopping at a booth with one carton of eggs on the table. It's just not going to happen. But if you're able to stack it up, make it look good, make it look presentable, but have a lot of things on that table, you're going to be way better off. A lot of times people ask, but what if I have to take some home? What if some of it goes to waste? Okay, what if it does? If you sell 80% of 100, it's way better than 100% of 50. So take more than you think you're going to need, factor some loss into your prices, assume that you're going to have however much percentage that you're going to lose just gone. So put that in, factor that into your prices and just go with it. You're going to sell way more that way than you're than you would have if you had just taken that 50 those are the main things that you're going to have to have for your stand a couple of the smaller things to keep in mind table coverings to make the tables look more presentable cash box don't just be the guy there with your wallet that's pulling cash in and out of your wallet have a cash box have some sort of folder something that you're keeping your money in it's going to look way more professional you're going to be way better off um i highly recommend getting a square card reader they're $35 gets you set up yes they charge you to use the credit card if you're that worried about it charge more if people use a credit card I do I charge an extra 50 cents if you run a credit card because they charge me I've never had anyone walk away from a sale because I've charged them that extra 50 cents that is the price we pay sometimes for the convenience of using a credit card um, have a receipt book there keep good notes and keep track of what you sell how much you sell it for, all of that. If you're selling products that are taxable and you're concerned with keeping track for your taxes, this is how you're going to do it. For myself, I'm selling items that are food stuff, so I don't really have to worry about the taxes so much. But it is nice for me to be able to look back and go, oh, you know, at this market, I sold 10 of my pea shoots, two quail eggs, and a salad mix. Whatever. Keep track of that stuff because that's going to help you to determine what you need to make more of yeah, you're going to think, oh, I can just remember it. No, write it down. It's going to be way easier for you in the long run if it's noted in your receipt book and you can go back and look at it. Last thing on my list, invest in some good, high-quality weights. They're going to save you money in the long run. If you lose one tent, you're out a lot of money. So get some good weights. There are diagrams online for how you can make some out of PVC. I found those were going to be very expensive when I was going to build mine. So I actually had a cart full of PVC and was walking through Menards and I found umbrella bases for like outdoor patio umbrellas. Use those instead. I saved half the money I would have spent on it. And those look way better than a hunk of PVC hanging off the side of your tent. But a hunk of PVC looks way better than your tent being all mangled in the parking lot or crushing the people beside you. So keep that in mind. You want to get some good weights to hold your tent in place. Okay, so if you've been paying attention, you'll notice that what was not on that list. Two notable items that were not on that list are a radio and a chair. No one wants to hear your music while you're at a farmer's market. Some farmer's markets will actually have live music playing there, but even if they don't, you're not going to make any friends playing music at your farmer's market. Also, do not have a chair. If you find yourself sitting down at any point in time during your farmer's market, you're doing something wrong. 
Be up. Be standing. Be talking to people as they go by. Don't be obnoxious. Don't yell at people as they're running by your booth. If they're ignoring you, give them their space. Obviously, they don't want to talk to you. But if they're, oh, glancing in your booth and you're sitting down, you're not paying attention because you're on your phone at that point. You're not going to be paying attention at all if you're sitting down. Stand up. You look way more professional that way. And you're going to be able to engage with customers much quicker. And you're going to have better results from it. I sat down for my first year and it was not good. This past year, since I increased to my several markets a week and I've been going just full bore with the microgreens, I haven't sat down at one market and it has been a huge game changer. You would be shocked at the number of people who would be walking by and just kind of glance your way and, oh, hi, how you doing? That will draw them in enough. I probably made 25 to 30% of my sales off people who weren't even going to stop at my booth simply because I was standing up instead of sitting down, not paying attention. So do yourself a favor, leave the chair at home and stand up. Okay, as we're getting towards the end of this podcast, I had just a couple of different tips and tricks that I wanted to share after my time that I've spent learning how to be a vendor and how to run a farmer's market, that kind of stuff. Tip number one, get there early. Whatever time you think you need to be there, go back 40 minutes and start there. You're not going to be upset because you had to stand around and talk to people for an extra 10 minutes. Get there early, especially your first time at that market doesn't matter how early you get there there will be people they're already setting up so get there early that'll get you in the door it's going to make your life way easier because instead of dealing with all the hustle and bustle from the people who are showing up a half an hour before opening you'll be able to just be set up and watch all that happen you'll be able to learn just by watching how other people are doing it how you don't want to do things and maybe pick up some tips and tricks on how to set up your stuff properly Like I said before, take more product than you think you're going to need. You never, never, never want to run out of product. Then you're just wasting your time there. Why would you bother doing that? So take more than you want. Don't price yourself too low. It's always easier to lower your prices than it is to raise your prices. So if you're not sure where to be at, don't go crazy. Don't charge, you know, $40 for a dozen eggs, whatever. But go in with prices that, you know, like, eh, I don't know if I would want to spend that. Just start there. You can always go down. So keep that in mind. A great salesman once said that if you don't have people complaining about the price of your product, your prices aren't high enough. So make sure that you have your stuff priced appropriately to where every once in a while you get that person that's like, oh, I'm not paying that. And they walk away. Because that's when you know you have it set properly. When you're setting up your tent and you're setting up your tables, try to keep your product pushed more forward in the tent. You don't want to have your product at the very back edge of the tent where people have to walk into it to see what's even on your table. You want to get it set up to where people can see while they're walking by what you have. And that way you can try to draw them into it. Give I, I generally leave about half the tent open for people to walk in so they can get out of the sun, out of the rain. If it's raining, I will change my setup. I will push things back to give people an opportunity to get out of the rain. Outside of that, you want to have that product to where they can see it and easily access it. Like I touched on before, always be resetting your booth. Every 15-20 minutes, walk over to the front of the booth where your customers are going to see it from. Look at your booth and see what needs changed. You can see 
quite quickly what's not going to work, what doesn't look quite as presentable as it could. You're there to sell product. Focus on the product. Focus on it looking good and that first impression that you're going to get from people as they walk past your booth. Like I said before, 30% of people were just going to walk by my booth, but my talking to them and the product itself is what brought them in. And I was able to close those sales with those people. So that's what you need to be focusing on is making it look as good as possible. Break down tables as quickly as you can. I start with two to three tables. And by the end of the day, I want to be down to just the one table. So if I'm not down to one table by, I don't know, two hours to close, I have messed up. It's been a bad market. Something's gone wrong. You want to be breaking down tables as quickly as possible, stack it high, watch it fly. So you started going to a farmer's market and there's somebody else there who has sell, selling the same product you are. Don't be a jerk to them. Don't be a dick. Just go in there, do your thing, be polite, be friendly to everybody. Whether they're your competition or not, you don't know who's going to be able to help you out, who you're going to be able to help out, who you're going to be able to network with. Go in there and do what you can to help other people. A lot of times, if you're set up early, you can make a lot of friends just helping other people set their tent up. There will be some people that will tell you, no, I don't want help. Don't bug those people. They have a process. They have their thing going on. They've got to figure it out. But there will be a lot of other people who will be like, oh, yeah, I'd love help setting my tent up. You know, help those people because they're going to be eternally grateful. And probably 25 to 30 percent of the time on those people as well. Maybe they'll stop by later and pick up some of your product. So you never know. It doesn't hurt to go out there and be talking to people and make connections, make friends, be friendly, and just get out there. Along those same lines, be willing to spend money when you're at these farmer's markets, especially when you first get in there. Go over to other booths. Spend some money at the booths. Spend some time talking to the people about their product. Especially if they're a local grower, local producer, they're going to like to talk about their product. I have not met a single person who produced something and didn't mind talking about it. So go in there, talk to the people, learn about their product, buy some of their product, and go from there. You'll be surprised at how far that'll get you at a farmer's market. Last but not least, on my list of market tips and tricks, get to know the market manager. They can help you out in so many ways you would be surprised. Between moving you to a different spot if one becomes available, helping you to get people to your booth, whether they send someone, oh, you know, you're looking for quail eggs. Well, Cody over there, he has quail eggs at Heartland Farms. Go check him out. Those people, the market manager and the volunteers can really help you out. Um, and honestly, I turned it into a part-time gig. I am now the market manager at one of the farmer's markets that I go to. So you never know what kind of possibilities could be opened up just by getting to know the people who are running the farmer's market that you're participating in. And I have not met a single farmer's market manager who was a jerk. They are all really good people, and almost every single one has been willing to help out at any point in time. Now is the time to start reaching out and making those connections because the off-season is generally a little quieter. It can get very hectic during the prime season. So you want to try to establish this kind of relationship now. That way when the season starts, you're ready to go. You can just hit the ground running. People know your name and you're ready to get it. All right. So in conclusion of this podcast, even if you're not thinking about starting a farmer's market stand, 
hopefully you kind of have a better understanding of what goes into a farmer's market stand. It's a little bit more in depth than I think a lot of people feel it is. There's more behind the scenes stuff that has to happen other than just create the product. If you're not going to make a booth, start attending your farmer's market. Go as a customer, because even as a customer, you can start to network with people. It won't be the same level that vendors will have with other vendors, but going and being a regular at a booth is gonna go a long way for you. And I mean, you need to eat, they need to sell food, just go buy it from there. Maybe you pay a little bit more, but it's gonna be high quality stuff, especially if you do your research with these people, talk to them about their product. They're gonna love to tell you about it and you're gonna get great results. There's an award-winning chef by the name of Bryant Terry who said, what makes farmer's markets such a special place is you're actually creating community around food. That is a very powerful statement and it couldn't be more true. Yes, there is such a community and a camaraderie that happens at these farmer's markets you would not believe it until you participate in it. So if you're going to have a farmer's market booth, if you've been thinking about it, but you're on the edge of it, do it. Jump in. What do you have to lose? Anyways, thank you for listening. This has been Cody. And remember, be undomesticated.